Welcome to SF City Insider, a San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Trisha Thadani, a City Hall reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. My colleague Dom Fracasa and I spoke to the leading candidates in each district race. This episode, we spoke to District 2 candidate Nick Josefowitz, a BART director who says he'll take a data-driven approach to the city's problems. As of this recording, Josefowitz has spent more than $500,000, but will all the spending pay off in November? All right, Nick Josefowitz, thank you so much for coming into the City Hall press room. Um, so we'll start off by giving you your 60-second elevator pitch, and I'm going to be timing you. So um, you got three, two, one, go. Thank you for having me. My name is Nick Josefowitz. I live in Pacific Heights with my wife and my twin boys, who are two and a half years old. And we feel really grateful to be raising them in this wonderful community. But like so many people, we're also so frustrated that city government seems to have done a terrible job dealing with street homelessness and property crime and how expensive it is to live here and how difficult it is to get around. San Francisco is one of the wealthiest, most talented, most compassionate cities in the country. And we just have to do better. My background is I started a company that built solar energy power plants, and I'd actually be the only supervisor with any business experience if I got elected. I'd take a data-driven, outcomes-focused approach to getting to grips with our city's biggest challenges. I hope you'll pick Nick this November. So um, you emphasize that you are the City Hall outsider, and you're someone who's frustrated with the status quo. Um, and one major thing, like you just said in your pitch, is that you know you're you're data driven, um, and you can bring your private sector experience to the table. Um, what's an example of a way that you would use data if elected um, in a way that City Hall currently isn't? You know, we have four thousand three hundred and fifty people who sleep on the streets every night of San Francisco, and that's in my mind just completely inhumane, um, and it has huge impacts on our communities. At the same time, if you compare us to other cities, um, that's also completely out of whack. So if you compare us to New York, for instance, we have 11 times more people who sleep on our streets per capita. If you compare us to Boston, 20 times more people. Um, And at the same time, we've actually cut back on the number of shelter beds in San Francisco over the last 15 years. There are both fewer shelter beds and fewer mental health treatment beds in San Francisco than there were in 2004. Um, and as a result, there's now a thousand person wait list to get into a shelter. If you fall into homelessness in San Francisco, you have to wait three months on the street before you can get into a shelter bed. Um, and it's really that type of analysis um, and looking at how other cities have successfully confronted this same problem in a really data driven way that led me to the kind of the, the core element of uh, of what I think we've uh, done wrong and what I would like to change as supervisor, which is to build 3,000 new shelter beds um, and 300 new mental health treatment beds so that if someone falls into homelessness in San Francisco, they get caught by a shelter bed and they don't land on our streets. Uh, Nick, you, you mentioned your uh, experience as a uh, clean energy entrepreneur. You founded a solar energy company, RenGen, that, su- uh, uh, that shut down a few years ago. Can you tell us about what happened uh, with that company? Um, so uh, I started a company, as you said, that built solar energy power plants, um, and I ran it for about 10 years. And, um, and then uh, about three and a half years ago, I decided to get um, more involved in, uh, in the public sector. Um, and uh, I ran for 
the BART board of directors and got elected um, and then subsequently got appointed to a number of other regional transportation agencies like the ferries and Capital Corridor Amtrak trains and this uh, this organization called MTC, which is the Regional Planning and Transportation Funding Agency. Um, and so I decided to, um, to sort of really focus on that over the last um, three years. Um, and, uh, um, and so it makes sense for me to continue um, running my solar company. Um, I stayed involved in the private sector. I helped start a company that um, is an energy efficiency trading company, um, which, uh, which has also been quite successful. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, what my experience in the private sector um, has taught me um, is that you really need to be outcomes focused, that it's not about how much money you spend on something. Um, it's about how successfully you spend it. And I feel that sometimes in City Hall, we can't, there's, that there isn't that kind of frame of analysis that too many people, um, th- too many folks on the board of supervisors think that the way to solve problems is just throwing more money at them. Um, and, uh, and I think if there's ever a city that has shown that that's not true, it's San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So, so your Renjin, it was shut down because you decided you wanted to focus your efforts elsewhere. Uh, yeah, I didn't feel that I could both run a uh, run a run a run my company and also mm-hmm. um, serve um, on uh, the regional transportation boards that I mm-hmm. was on. And and that trading company that you mentioned is that still is that still around? Yeah, that's um, that's still around. Um, I started it with a friend, and uh, it. Uh, it was too expensive to actually grow the company in San Francisco. Mm. Um, and uh, I think a lot of sort of folks have have, uh, have, ex- have experienced this. And so he moved back to North Carolina, where he was from. Um, and, uh, and the company is, uh, is still going really strong. Mm-hmm. But are you, are you actively a part of that company? Yeah, I still okay. am. I still am. I didn't think I could run a company. Um, at the same time mm-hmm. as I was serving on these regional transportation boards, but um, no, I'm still involved um, very actively in uh, in in that company. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I think if if I if I got elected supervisor, I would I would step down from that. Right. I don't want to be a part time supervisor. Yeah. I want to be a a full time supervisor. Yeah. I think the the problems of the city are. Uh, are large enough that they deserve um, every supervisor's full attention. You're currently on the board of directors for BART, um, and you know, as, as someone who takes BART, you constantly hear complaints that BART isn't running efficiently, that it's dirty, the escalators don't work, there's homeless people sleeping um, around. You know, as someone who's been on the board since 2014, um, how do you respond to these persistent frustrations? You know, I think anybody who's um, walked around Civic Center um, or UN Plaza um, has kind of seen that the level of street homelessness and public drug use and even just street crime is overflowing into all of our public spaces. Um, It's overflowing into our parks. It's overflowing into our muni buses. And yes, it's also overflowing into our BART stations and our BART trains. Um, and I think everybody has the right to be incredibly frustrated and disappointed um, that that's happening. Um, but I think this, the way to, to really get to the bottom of this problem is not to point fingers and say like, oh, a homeless person is um, sort of on that side of a government agency line or on the other side of a government agency line. Um, ultimately, the way to solve this problem is for us all to come together um, and actually provide the shelters um, so that folks aren't looking um, to shelter in all of our public spaces. Um, and I think it's to provide the drug treatment programs that are actually effective um, so that folks aren't shooting up in the first place um, rather than just trying to shunt them around the place. Um, and that's really why 
um, I, I think that um, I, I could make an enormous amount of progress on the board of supervisors. But that doesn't mean that we didn't also um, work on this problem at BART. Um, one of the things um, uh, that I worked on uh, over the past year is that I reached out to the city of San Francisco and we got more resources from the city into our BART station, uh, in particular Civic Center, more police resources, more social service resources. Um, and over the past six months, we've actually seen uh, a halving um, of the number of incidents and the number of complaints in our Civic Center station. Um, it's, too, it's still too high. Um, and uh, unfortunately, um, I, I fear that we've just moved the problem rather than actually solved it. Um, but we have, um, we, we are working with the city of San Francisco, and now we've kind of trying to expand that model to other stations in San Francisco and working with other counties around the region. So, so you said you're worried that you've just moved the problem rather than solving it. I mean, as supervisor, you're going to have to deal with this persistently. So how do you ensure that you're not just going to be moving the problem of homeless people sleeping on the streets? I think that's why we need to build the shelter beds um, that are going to actually provide them a shelter. Um, because, you know, if someone's homeless, they're going to look for a shelter where they can find it. And if we don't provide them a shelter bed, and today... Uh, we actually have a thousand person wait list for our shelter beds. Um, they're going to look to shelter in our parks, um, in our, on our muni buses, on our bar trains, um, in, in people's doorways. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's really what I think we need. We, where we've gone so wrong in this city um, is that we haven't provided the basic shelter um, that, that, um, that people can, can sleep in. Um, and, uh, and that's why we have this kind of record level of street homelessness and why we had the city with the highest level of street homelessness in the country. Uh, Nick, according to um, some of the publicly available financial records um, that you have to file when you become a candidate, um, your wife is an investor in Lyft and holds a stake of at least uh, a million dollars. Um, she's also an investor in, in other uh, tech businesses. Now, the city has had, as I'm sure you're aware, a, a very fractious relationship uh, with TNCs or ride-hailing companies, uh, including Lyft. And I, I want to know, how do you keep those financial interests from affecting your decision-making as a supervisor around ride-hailing companies? Because I think it's fair to say that issue will come back up at the board, and I don't think it'll be terribly long before it does. So my wife actually worked at Lyft for about four years. Um, she was uh, uh, a senior executive there, and I'm, you know, uh, I'm really proud of um, of the work that she's done. Um, and uh, yeah, she re she does now retain uh, a stake in Lyft. Um, and I think, you know, I would be um, making sure that I recuse myself um, from decisions um, which my wife is financially interested in, and I think that's the appropriate thing to do. Um, so speaking of money, um, you've raised the most money of any candidate in any supervisor race. What have you spent that money on? And if there are any leftovers, what would you do with it? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, uh, it's very humbling to um, have had over a thousand people donate to my campaign. Um, and I've worked really hard at that. Um, and, uh, and I think it's a sign of how frustrated people are with the status quo at City Hall and how badly they're looking for a sort of a different approach, for a more data-driven approach. Um, and, you know, one of the things that um, I, I decided to do right at the beginning of my campaign um, is, uh, is try and educate people about why we have the problems that we do in San Francisco as part of this campaign. Um, and, uh, and that it wasn't just going to be one of those political screaming matches that we so often kind of experience. Um, but I really wanted people um, to understand 
um, why we have the level of street homelessness that we do, why we have um, the level of property crime that we do, why it's so expensive to live in San Francisco and in the Bay Area, um, and really have a kind of a data-driven um, set of solutions um, that could really elevate the discussion. And so I've spent um, most of the resources that we've raised during this campaign trying to educate voters um, around these issues. And I think we've seen um, a, a, a real sort of positive response to that. Um, people are really excited that um, someone is actually putting forward kind of real data-driven plans and helping them understanding, helping them to understand um, how we can actually improve our communities. Uh, Nick, getting back to the homelessness issue in, in particular, um, when we talk to people who live in District 6 and in some cases represent or want to represent District 6, for instance, or District 9, we hear that they, they feel overburdened by the number of shelters and by the number of navigation centers. They, they feel like they're, they're being forced to take on the problem. I wonder if you feel like D2 uh, uh, needs to shoulder more of the responsibility when it comes to finding space, even temporary space like shelters uh, for, for the city's homeless population. I think every community in our region, not just in our city, needs to share the burden of, of working to deal with homelessness um, and street homelessness in particular. Um, I don't think any of us can just point the finger and say, oh, that's their problem. Um, these are our problems. These are people who've fallen into homelessness in our community. Um, these are somebody's brothers and sisters. And, and so, yes, I, I would be supportive of, uh, of District 2 taking on more of that burden um, along with the other communities um, around the region. And I think L.A. provides a really good model for this. Um, in L.A., every um, city councillor uh, committed to build um, a homeless shelter in their community. And that's something that I would do as supervisor, and I would hope that my colleagues would join me as well. Do you feel like that's going to be a hard sell to the constituents of District 2? Well, what's your message to them about the importance of it? How do you, how do you get them on your side about that, around that issue? I think that uh, we have to look at other models um, around the country for um, how shelters have been successfully integrated um, into communities. Um, in Seattle, for instance, um, the new, one of the new Amazon office buildings um, has a small shelter um, on, I think it's the first and the second floor. Um, and uh, Amazon voluntarily decided that they wanted to put that there um, to, uh, to, to kind of serve the community. And I, and I think that it's really well run. It's a lot better run than a lot of our shelters here in San Francisco. Um, it's, it's not um, overly large. Um, and I think it's actually had a really positive impact on that community. Or if you look in LA, the way that they've done it is um, in, in each community, they did a count of the number of people who are on the street in that community. Um, and then they built a shelter um, that was uh, sized to, um, to shelter the folks who are on the street in that community. Once they built it, um, they basically kind of gave folks the option of either moving into the shelter or moving out. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that there's a lot of other cities that have done this much better than we have. And I think you know anybody who's who's traveled to those cities um whether it's you know new york or boston or, or elsewhere um, i think they they can see um that, that it doesn't have to be this way in san francisco that there are other cities that have dealt with this successfully so your your competitors skylar hudak uh supervisor Catherine stephanie and john dennis um they all floated the idea of taking um a regional approach to solving the homelessness crisis um two of them uh Skylar Hudak and John Dennis suggested that they would even be opening to building a navigation center 
outside of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, you were the only one who said you wouldn't be open to temper to sending people, sending homeless people outside of the district on a temporary basis. Now you said that you would support um, doing something that the city already does, which is look for permanent housing for people outside the city. But but can you you explain your position? I mean, can this um, can this problem really be solved in San Francisco alone? I don't think this problem can be solved in San Francisco alone. I think um, all communities need to, um, in this region, all communities in this region need to uh, take on their fair share of the burden. Um, and, and it's not okay um, that suburban communities aren't building um, the shelter beds and the mental health treatment beds in their health facilities um, to be able to provide um, the, the sort of the necessary services for the folks who are falling into homelessness and the folks who are really struggling in their communities. Um, and I think what that does is it imposes even more of a burden on San Francisco um, because if you fall into homelessness in a place like Cupertino, um, you know, there's a really high likelihood that you end up on the streets of San Jose or the streets of San Francisco. Um, and so I, I have the experience working at the regional level, um, working to make sure that um, communities are, uh, are, uh, are taking their fair share of the burden around transportation funding, um, that they're working to take their fair share of the burden around um, building affordable housing um, and uh, and you know, working to make sure that folks are taking their fair share of the burden around um, dealing with homelessness. And that's work that I would continue to do on the Board of Supervisors, which I think there hasn't been nearly enough of, Mm -hmm. that we can get so parochial in San Francisco um, and forget that we're um, about 870,000 people of an almost 8 million person region. Where, Where would you put a navigation center in District 2? You know, one has to work with the community on on these things, um, and that would be a sort of an essential part of, of, of making sure that this was a success. But uh, but you know, I think some of the places that one can look to are some of the religious institutions that already provide emergency shelter during um, during emergencies when there's um, a sort of a, a, a during the rainy season or, or in winter or places like that um, that have already kind of you know shown um that they're willing to take on that burden in a really compassionate way that's kind of true to their congregation spiritual values um and uh, and that would be one of the first places that i would look mm-hmm. all right you've survived the long question portion of the show um and so we'll move on to the lightning rounds first one what, what is the piece what is the first piece of legislation you'd like to sponsor as a supervisor um i'd like to sponsor legislation um to put in place uh, a plan to build 3,000 shelter beds and um, 300 mental health beds. Um, it's not going to happen immediately, but we need to have that plan and start working towards it. Where would you find that money? Um, you know, uh, shelter beds um, in particular are a relatively affordable way um, to deal with, st- with street homelessness. It costs about $30,000 um, per bed to build, and that's compared to um, almost seven to $800,000 per unit of supportive housing that gets built. So I think if we could just reallocate a certain amount of um, our existing homeless spending to shelter beds um, and uh, to mental health treatment beds, we can make an enormous amount of progress. There's also a, a significant contingent of uh, a San Francisco residents who are looking to Proposition C, the Our City, Our Home uh, local initiative, to provide that funding. Where do you stand on that particular uh, ballot measure? Um, I'm still uh, undecided. Uh, I think it was a it was a ballot measure that was put on by advocates, 
um, and as a result it didn't go through um, the usual vetting process um, that it would have done if it had been put on by the board of supervisors um, so it's an enormous amount of money um, and uh, we're only going to have one shot at this um, and uh, and I'm, I'm still waiting to see more of the analysis um, to really understand um, whether it's going to be effective at getting folks off the street and into the care that they need. And, and what about your stance on Prop 10, the measure that would repeal Costa Hawkins? So I don't support Prop 10. Um, I, uh, I think that um, I'm, I, I'm a big supporter of rent control. I think that's incredibly important um, to keep um, San Franciscans who've lived in our community for a long time in their homes and, and, uh, and especially in, in, in kind of um, today's environment where um, folks are just one bad landlord away from ending up on the street. Um, but I think Prop 10 is the type of thing that sounds good, but actually um, won't um, have, uh, have, have the desired effect. Um, and as your editorial board said, um, there's a real risk that it really shuts down new construction of homes that are affordable to working families, um, not just in San Francisco, but across the region. And that ultimately, um, building the homes that, is, that are affordable to working families is going to be the way that we can get out of our affordability crisis and, and once more make it affordable um, for people to raise a family and for people to retire in our communities. Nick, I know that no one likes to be put in a box or ascribed labels that they you know, didn't invite necessarily, but... I, I, I want to know how you feel about being considered a moderate candidate um, uh, for, for the Board of Supervisors and someone who would be a moderate on the Board of Supervisors. Um, you know, the folks that I um, uh, really admire who've come, uh, who've come through this building are politicians um, and public servants like David Chu, like Scott Wiener, um, who kind of, I think, ultimately were considered moderates. But the thing that I really admire about them is, is how effective they were. Um, and, uh, and I think too often we can get caught up in, you know, exactly what this one supervisor thinks about one thing or this other supervisor thinks about another. Um, but ultimately, so much of whether we can actually improve our communities is going to be about how good the supervisors are at their job. Right. And I think that's true for anybody um, who's worked um, in an organization that it, they don't hire people. They don't want to work with people based on what they think. They want to work with people based on how good they are at their job. And I think that's something we often miss. Um, and that's something that I would really strive um, for is, is less kind of ideological purity. Um, and it's more about just being really good at, at being a supervisor and making the changes that are needed in our community. All right. On that note, thank you so much for coming in, Nick. Really appreciate your thank time. Thank you so much for having us. Or me, or <laughs> you. <yeah. laughs> this show is a part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. It was produced by me, Dom Fercasa. For more City Hall coverage, visit sfchronicle.com.